occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans. Another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. <laughs> and welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern for about an hour each night. We talk about guns. We uh, run it live on YouTube. We simulcast it over at gunchannels.com. We're watching the conversation, or we're having a conversation with the people that are joining us live. Once it's all rendered into a video, we'll take the audio and post it over on iTunes and the other uh, podcast uh, platforms. So if you'd like to be part of the conversation, uh, if you're listening to the show in the future, you can always email us at dailygunshow at gmail.com. Always looking forward to comments and uh, ratings on the various uh, platforms that are out there. That lets us know that who's out there and where you're listening. So we do really appreciate that. We've got some hosts. We've got uh, Dano jumping in from Illinois. Thanks for joining. Yep. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. We've got Finate uh, jumping in from where are you at? Minnesota. And thanks for letting me on. Minnesota. 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 All right. So uh, thanks for jumping in. Uh, I thought for a minute we wouldn't have any co-hosts tonight. And then uh, everybody jumped in. So appreciate it. I'm down here in Tucson. Uh, we've got people jumping in on the uh, Gun Channels chat there. From we got Smiggy out there in Michigan. We got Pink in Ohio. We got Clover in Texas. Where's Potatoes at? I don't know, but did you say Smeggy is out there listening instead yeah. of working? Yeah, he's got stuff to do, so he couldn't jump in tonight. Michael's okay. out there. Yeah. Uh, where else do we got? Where's Pants at? Tell us where Pants is at, and then uh, others. So let us know where you're at. It's always interesting to see where people are chatting that way when others in the chat see where you are. Every once in a while, people figure out, hey, I live in the same place, and every once in a while, people end up going shooting or something. So uh, today's Thursday. It's episode number 569, and if it's Thursday, it means we're talking about training. Uh, so every day we like to uh, start off with anything that might have happened up till now, uh, or overnight, I guess we used to say that. Anyway, anything happening in anybody's lives out there? Anything interesting? No, you're there. <laughs> nothing. nothing gun related. Yeah, yeah, nothing for me as well. All right. Well, over on the gun channels today, we started out with uh, the early watch. It's a pretty decent show with uh, Tony. Dan, of course, you're always welcome to join in. We try to talk about news of the day. Uh, they have a pretty decent effort going over there with the Early Watch Nation. Those people will uh, pay attention to 2A gun-related news and uh, send it to Tony, and then he uh, has it. So we kind of talk about news of the day, which is a little different format than this show, where we try not to be led by the news of the day. We try to make it a refreshing break from whatever's you know important issues of the day. Anyway, so in the Early Watch, we had a pretty good show. Uh, Knives had a show, and then at some point in the afternoon... Uh, Dead Horse started up a really interesting show, his show and tell. Yes. Uh, and they were talking about the AR-15, and it might have been a little dry uh, if you're not into it, but if you're, you know, doing something, I was doing some tasks here, so I had, it was perfect, I was listening to it, and they were kind of reading some history, it was really the history of the 5.56 caliber, and with it, the AR-15 or the M16, and the yeah. development is really super interesting. I don't know if they're still going over there, they might be. No, they were they, uh, they they just concluded this evening and they stopped uh, basically right at about 1968. I caught several hours of it, and if you're into uh, getting into the heavy duty deep waters of nerddom about guns in general, in this case specifically uh, 5.56223, uh, and of course the the role of Armalite as well as the inventor and other companies that were thriving to become. Uh, what is now the AR-15 slash M16. It's, it's a fascinating story of uh, backstabbing, uh, you know, generals trying to, to, to uh, uh, get their favorite buddies in there that have nothing to do with getting a better product to the soldier. Uh, I, I, I find it very interesting. But then again, I'm into the nerddom of development of guns, the history, the weeds. So I th I think it's a great show. 
Sorry, I was grabbing a coffee. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, I listened to the whole thing well until the clover started up and then I jumped out. Um, but yeah, it was great. And uh, that's going to be a great resource. And like I say, he was just kind of reading a book, I guess. But him and who's the guy from Florida? I always forget his name. Uh, Dave or David? Dave? Yeah, that, I mean, he has good insight and like just knowledge of the whole situation as well. And so they were reading the piece and then, you know, discuss it a little bit. And uh, really, really cool. I'm hoping he does more on that. I'm uh, interested in doing that now with some of my AKA books. Because uh, that's the kind of stuff that's not just interesting for guns, but just history in general or just the causation. Is that the way? Um, just, you know, this happened here. And because this guy, like I said, didn't want this to happen or was, you know, efforting towards this. And then the result was this over here and nobody expected it. It was just interesting just for that, even if you take the gun part out, just the you know, the consequences or the this and that, the history are just kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, uh, in today's part, I mean, I heard a lot from a lot of the, uh, both the um, military generals as well as what I'll call civilian government officials that just uh, uh, were so hung up on it had to be 30 caliber or or it, w it wasn't good enough. They couldn't get over the size, and regardless of what the science was telling them. Um, and then, then he had another crowd that couldn't get over trying to develop flashettes as a viable solution. Flashettes. Yep, exactly. So, um, all right, I just forgot the name. Um, like eight grains a piece. Hunter was asking on the uh, YouTube side what show we're talking about. And the show we're talking about is called Show and Tell. It's a show on gun channels that's done by a guy named Dead Horse. And I'm posting the link over there now. And I'm pretty sure I already posted it in the description of the video because as I was watching it, I knew we were going to mention it. So, so Joe and Tell is not a channel. That's just a theme show that Dead Horse does. So look up Dead Horse no, uh, it, on YouTube. All right. Thanks for trying to make it clear. But it, he does have a channel called Show and Tell. And I'm posting the link to it. I just posted it in the internal. And well, he, yeah. But people are going to think channel is in like YouTube channel. I don't think anybody thinks that, but go ahead and okay. use them. But anyway, a guy named Dead Horse does a show called Show and Tell, and I just posted a link to it. And uh, anyway, yeah, super great. How long was it? Three hours, 47 minutes. So he ain't farting around. That was an uh, in-depth discussion. And like you say, they didn't even get to today. They got to 1968. Yep. Crazy. So I think it started in 40s or something. So it's pretty cool. Um Definitely worth uh, listening to it's four hours. So if you got a trip or you're going to be doing some work or something, uh, consider that. Um, I'm going to ask him if he's okay with us turning it into a podcast. That'd be an interesting challenge because I haven't done any with the new system of podcasts here. I haven't done anything over an hour. Mm -hmm. Be curious to see how the four-hour one works. Yeah. All right. So um, then I jumped out of that one before it ended and went into Go uh, Clover's chat, and he does his nerd kind of behind the scenes content creator show on Thursdays. I guess I should know what the name of it is, but um, it was a good one today. He had the guys on who had been to NRA and they talked to kind of an after action, kind of talked about what it was like and that kind of thing. Uh, so that one's probably worth listening to also if uh, you're planning on attending events and um, like to get some insight on all that. But I think with that, we can get into the training stuff today. Um, I'll put that you know, Ironically, before we enter that, that, that big realm is uh, for those that are watching this, you know, on, on video, uh, when you did the roll into the show with the, uh, the, the monsters of the deep, and then you saw the reaction of the people. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Godzilla. And then you saw the reaction of the people. It very much immediately reminded me of the topic of today, which is training and uh, the OODA loop and what is an OODA loop. So, uh, I mean, that's the first thing that, that, that came to, to my mind. I thought it was just quite ironic. You mean because of Godzilla poking out his head outside of your subway train? Yeah, I mean, here you have like this couple that's looking over. It's on some sort of luxury boat, looking, you know, ignore, you know, enjoying the beautiful night. And then all of a sudden, there's this monster that rises from above, and clearly through their face and their physical action, you can see them go through a decision cycle of observing, 
orientating and deciding and then acting. Acting isn't like backing away, getting away from the threat. But they went through that same cycle. All right. So I guess we'll talk about the OODA loop then. So it's a pretty common thing in the training circles. Let's not assume everyone's heard about it yet. So first off, Finate, you're familiar with what we're talking about, the OODA loop? This is the first time I've ever heard of it. Oh, that's interesting. And then, uh, Dano, when was the first time it was brought to your attention? Uh, the first time I, I heard it in that phrase uh, was in a training class. Yeah, for me, it was probably in my first CCW class. So um, let's see. If we go to Wikipedia, it looks like it was created by the Air Force for pilots. And John Boyd applied the concept to combat operations process. So basically, it's just a, a methodology, I guess, of, or a way to describe um, what happens with your brain and your eyes yeah. and your the, the human uh, reaction and action in regards to a threat. It doesn't say when they did it for the Air Force, but I'm pretty sure it was for like jet pilots or something when planes started going a lot faster and they had to keep up and they were... I forget if it was a Korean air action. I think it was Korea. We had jets or something. I think it was planes started going faster. Dogfights started getting way more just... You, 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 they didn't just depend on people being good, right? They started to figure out, let's evaluate what makes a pilot live longer, what makes them more effective. We're putting a lot of money and lives up there. Let's make it the best we can get. And I think they started looking at that. So it's a process for pilots that is then by this, uh, some other people, they applied it to other uh, parts of life. Threats. Other things. So it's, um, well, go ahead. You just said it's observe, orient, decide, and act. And the way I've heard it described is it's, just the way your brain reacts to things. So someone comes up to you and says, hello, you observe, they said, hello, you realize that, you know, time hasn't changed or anything. You're still standing in the grocery store. So you've oriented yourself and you decide that this is somebody you want to have a conversation with and you act by replying, you know, the appropriate, hey, how are you today? So it's just that, except that if it was a bad guy sticking a gun in your ribs, it would take you a second to figure out what the heck is going on. And that is, the OODA loop. You have to observe, orient, decide, and then do something. And I guess the concept is that if you know that you're going through that process, you can be better able to do it and do it effectively and not get lost in the process or get screwed up. And you can also use it to your advantage when your opponent isn't paying attention to it. And there's things you can deliberately do to disrupt their, what do you call this, like physical it's it's interrupting the, the, their their OODA loop cycle, right? But I mean, it's a it's almost like breathing. You don't really get a choice. Like if you know you're screwing with somebody, like if you're going to jump around and be weird, they're not going to be familiar with that, and they're going to take a second. But they're not going to unless they're highly trained and, and you know what is that word? Uh, you know, highly uh, resistant to this. They you know ready for it. But they're going to take a second to think. You know, to go what's up, and you're going to have that moment. To have the upper hand so you can potentially use it to your advantage if you're aware of it and i guess that's why it comes up in the ccw realm so much but i'm wondering what the dates like if it happened just because there's so much ccw stuff or you know but sure uh, the primary kind of benefits of it and i think and you talked about this i'm just going to try to put it in slightly different words is is to uh hopefully train yourself so that you can have a shorter uh, OODA loop cycle, thus the time from you notice what's going on to the time you actually do something gets shorter in time, thus giving you a time advantage. And the other is that your action is actually the best action given uh, what it is that you're observing in a shorter amount of time. And uh, obviously, if you choose the wrong action, that's going to be wrong, but it whether it's longer or shorter, but if you choose the right action and you do it faster, it's that much more to your benefit. Uh, looks so, like you know whether it's you know you're on board a ship at sea and you see on radar a ship over the horizon, or whether you're in the air and you see an airplane, or whether there's somebody in an alley that says suddenly pops out and says, "Give me your wallet." It's all the same, as far as this. Uh, cycle of observing, orientating, deciding, and then acting based off that information, the best decision to act 
in the shortest amount of time. And it's again, just paying attention to it, right? So that you're aware of it. And then basically knowing that you can, once you get familiar with anything, you can get practice with it and get better and faster. And uh, I guess this is a way to kind of show how complicated or how easy it can be, depending, I guess, on how you want to look at it. Uh, it says in the Wikipedia that it's uh, been used in litigation, business, law enforcement, military strategy. So it's got applications all over the place. So I think it's like a lot of things you find in once you start getting into firearms training, the concepts or the theories can be applied widely. They're not, they're typically general theories that are just applied to, to firearms. And just to throw in another a little tip here, we've heard of people that uh, freeze during the middle of some sort of a, an emergency. And, and what that is, is when they've gotten to the part of deciding what to do, they're stuck in an endless loop. They cannot decide what to do. Therefore, they cannot act, whether that means run, whether that means hide, whether that means get down on the ground, whatever that means. And that could be from lack of preparation, lack of experience making the decision. I'm not familiar Personality with type. how to deal with the feedback that they're trying to incorporate or, or deal with. And not enough experience, you know, what do you call that? Like down or, you know, processing all that mm -hmm. info and uh, being overwhelmed with consequences and thinking of things out of order. Like, what's the results of this? Instead of thinking, what do I do right now? Right. All right. Well, I don't know. We're talking training, so that's basically almost pointless other than to say, hey, it's a concept that you have to look forward to. Or I guess you get to look forward to. It, it, it does fit into situational awareness. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 it is, you know, situational awareness. What I, I would say is the outer core, if you're going to make your your, your, your safety, like layers of an onion, the outer core would be situational awareness. The second core in would be your, your OODA loop based on various stimuluses out in your environment. Mm. So you know, it does play a role. I don't know if I would necessarily organize it that way, but yeah, I think once you're aware that you've got this system, this process, you can kind of be queued up. You can with a yellow state of mental awareness instead of, you know, we're talking now multiple concepts of the mental awareness is the idea that white would be completely oblivious or sleeping, like literally not aware of what's going on. Yellow, you're aware and concerned and paying attention. And then what is it? Red is you're in danger and getting ready for something in black. You know, there's these code. So, right. so the what concept that you walk around in a little bit of awareness is the idea that you're kind of chucking yourself up on the OODA loop. You're aware that you're going to need to go through a series of steps in order to be aware of what's going on immediately. So you've kind of gotten rid of the observe, or you're in your process, you're, you're actively observing, but you've already oriented yourself like ahead of time. Like you already know that in this situation, if this happens, I don't need to deliberate. Like I know that I'm here and I know that it would be inappropriate for something to happen. It might be more, you know, this might happen there might be better odds of this happening here, so I better be ready for it. And I think that's what I think of as the mental awareness of, you know, the situation that you're in uh, and using right. the loop, kind of like I say, chalk it up on the OODA loop, getting ready so you don't have to do the whole process. And, and part of situational awareness, at least I think, is also what I'm going to call general, informa general information that's known to have some scientific basis. And just as one example of that, is what some people refer to as the 21 foot rule uh, in regards to how quickly somebody can get up off the ground and be on you. Oh We're just going to throw everything into this segment. Well, well, well it, it, I'm just tr trying to think as far as, you know, observation, how close are people to you? I guess just, so. Just that one simple thing. But FYI, it's not get up off the ground. It's just if someone was uh, 21 feet away from you, or it was the, basically the, the calculation was, how far away can, does someone need to be before you can draw and react? And at 21 feet, they can, they're not up, getting up off the ground. They're, they're ready to pursue you. They are all but, you know, in a full run, 100% ready to attack you. That's sort of the concept that somebody can be 21 feet away without a gun, without any kind of projectile weapon, I should say. And from 21 feet, your reaction time as a normal individual is going to give them plenty of time to get hands on you and either just 
beat you or smash you or throw you or push you or whatever or stab you, uh, break you know have a broken bottle or whatever before you even with a firearm could react to it literally. So, like you're saying, that's sort of the you know the oriented part I would think. Like you know you're in a place where it's I don't have a threat from 80 yards here. Like they're, they're, I'm inside of a room, so my threat is going to happen immediately. And so you kind of chalk it up on the decision also. If it happens, I don't have an opportunity to run because I can't get out of here. I have to do something in this set of options. So again, you're kind of setting yourself up if you have to. And it's not like you do this as a massive process. It's just sort of aware of it the same way you would be like, hey, if that ashtray over there turns over and falls on the ground and catches fire, that's the window I'm going to jump out of. Or that's the window I'm going to throw that little kid out of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you'd be a jerk to just jump out a window and leave a little kid in there, right? But yeah, I, I, I was just thinking, you know, as I think of everything starting from situational awareness. Okay. And branches out from there, and it can go a million different directions. Like we did tonight, we went from situational, we went from OODA loop to situational awareness to the twenty-one foot rule. So. A little bit of started with situational lunas, except that the opening of the show and the looks on those people's faces reminded me of the OODA loop. Right. And that's the thing. All you got to do is have Godzilla. So if somebody goes to rob you or something, have one of them, like the, the little spring-loaded jack-in-the-box-looking things, drop that on the ground instead of a wallet. Godzilla pops out of it. That gives you a chance to get the hell out of Dodge. All right, speaking of getting the hell out of Dodge, let's move on to another subject, another topic. Keep the show moving a little bit. We started late, so I don't even remember what time we started, so it might be a little bit goofy, but I am going to try to keep them at an hour now that we're back on the iTunes. Uh, as we move into the next topic, and this wasn't set up or set up or anything, but uh, we do like to feature a member over at Gun Channels each day, and today it is Dead Horse. And again, that wasn't set up, it's just... Uh, Happenstance, other than I know he does a show on Thursday, so maybe when I stuck it in there, I thought he'd be doing a show today. So it'd be appropriate to recommend him as uh, our member of the day. But uh, yeah, he also happened to do just an awesome epic show on the AR-15 earlier. So yeah, we talked about Dead Horse. He's been on Gun Channels for a long time now. Uh, one of the more active members. He does his own live show. He's done them in the past. He's got just a it's whole massive uh, like uh, experience set with AR-15s that I would say is almost unmatched, if not unmatched, uh, just from his own personal experience and then through his own personal decision-making and purchasing, he's done an incredible amount of research. So he's, he's aware of even more than he actually has experience with, but his experience is, again, unique. So it's a great resource over on Gun Channels, just a heck of a good guy to, heck of a good guy to have a conversation with. And... Uh, He's willing to share his experience and, yeah. Absolutely. He's, he's most well known uh, for his, his, his AR experience, which is incredibly deep and wide. Um, but he also has a lot, a lot of other experience. I was talking to him, this is a little bit while back, you know, before he really got into ARs, uh, he was doing uh, what he's now doing with ARs, but he was doing them with uh, 1911s and, and just, uh, uh, you know, hand stoning his own, you know, to get, get that perfect fit. And, um, he had done a, a, a number of uh, kind of build your own, you know, 1911 sort of things. So, you know, to, to a level deeper than, than, than what most people do, which is, um, you know, not, not, not any sort of uh, gunsmithing type work where he's not afraid to get into that level. So he's been all very open to collaboration as well as a Dave from Florida that he's doing this, the show and tell with yeah. today and last couple of shows with, and uh, that's yep. because, Rick had him on for his uh, Wednesday shooting with disabled or shooting with disabilities and uh, Dead Horse saw him there and said, hey, you'd be great on my show. And again, he's just, uh, you know, participates in the whole thing we got going on here. So excellent example of a member of Gunch House. Thanks for being here. So that will take us to. Oh, I was going to take a look at after action. So I don't know if Dano's interested in doing this. Uh, I'd be happy to set up a portion of it for you. But AfterAction.net is a website I set up, I don't even remember, a long time ago. Um, whenever I first started going to classes, I was building web pages back then. It was pre-YouTube or any kind of video production. Uh, so after I started going to a few classes, I started to uh, post pictures. I would post them on the forums 
for the most part, that was the way people communicated back then. This was kind of after AOL, but before Facebook or anything like that. So forums were the big thing. And you might be a member of probably, I don't know, six forums or something, a couple of them that you've frequented more regularly, and then a couple that you used as reference. And they were pretty difficult to deal with. Uh, a lot of jerks and trolls out there, and they were usually pretty savvy and uh, could deal with the, you know, knew how to navigate the forums real well. So they were difficult for people to to deal with them. Anyway, back then I would uh, post uh, pictures from the classes. I guess I explained that because some of the stuff that would be out there uh, at that time, this is like 2004, I guess, if I scrolled all the way back here, 2005. And uh, a lot of the content that was out there back then uh, was like from people that already knew what they were doing and they were just taking a couple of pictures of friends. It was like selfies and stuff. And to me, it was like, I wanted to know what that class was about. Occasionally, there'd be an actual like after action report done by a student that was um, kind of intended for other people who are debating as to whether to take the class or not. And I appreciated those. So I tried to go to classes to review them with that in mind. Uh, so I started to document the various classes I attended and uh, would put them here on this website as just a place to put them. Um, so I figured I'd talk about a couple of things here in this show. Uh, we like to talk about guns and stuff, but I also like to encourage people to get out there and be part of the new media. We just had Clover's chat where we talked to people who are mostly creators talking about behind the scenes. So it isn't as though I started getting a bunch of emails from people and they said, hey, do you want to come to our class for free? Quite the contrary, I figured out that you could go to a class for free if you asked, and then I just kept asking. So uh, Tactical Response came out to Tucson. Uh, they used to come out here quite a bit. Uh, they still come out occasionally, but they used to come out here quite a bit and do training. And I heard about it, and I heard about this training where they jump around in cars and they shoot out of windshields. And that blew my mind that you could go to that kind of training. You didn't have to be a police officer or anything. So uh, I contacted them. I emailed them and said, hey, is it something I can do? And they said, sure. And I went out and reviewed their class. It's called auditing. You just take the class without paying, and you don't take up any of their resources. And you just kind of sit there and review the class. and let people know about it. And I told them I'd be happy to do that if they'd be interested. And they said, sure. And uh, once I figured that out, um, kind of did the same thing with Front Sight. I guess we can get into the story some other time. But I ended up going up to Front Sight and taking a bunch of classes there. Uh, then once I figured out that that's a thing to do, anytime a class came to Tucson or to Southern Arizona, I would contact the class or the instructor or the school. And I would ask them if I could show up and take pictures. And most Pretty much every time they said yes. So uh, that started my interest in taking the classes. Once I saw the front sight class, it blew me away. You've taken front sight, uh, or I mean, tactical response uh, fighting pistol, right, Dano? Yes. And you, before that, you had taken like some CCW and some other stuff. So you had something to compare it to. There's, it's, it's, it's unique. It is the literally one of the better classes you can imagine taking. It's a, it's a, service to the community. It's an excellent, excellent class. Jaeger's never paid me a dime. There's there's no way he could. It's it's just a, an excellent class. Um, and and one thing I will throw out there is is taking the class uh, for the most part, uh, you don't need to be concerned about if you have issues with what I'll call uh, um, James Jaeger's personality having anything that anything interfering with the class unless you just have something that's bothering you. Well, I guess that's a different thing nowadays, but back then it was just more of like, it was either this or a CCW class. And once I saw how inclusive it was and how, how um, deliberate it was at trying to encourage the student to, to, to scrutinize their, their reasoning for, for carrying a firearm and to actually make a decision based on reality and not based on crazy movie theory or like sales propaganda or any other outside influence other than your responsibility to yourself, your family and your community. And the great responsibility is to carry that firearm. And not just in a CCW class, you'll go in a lot of times a good CCW class will go into the responsibility of carrying a firearm. But right. there's a whole different level when you actually have to physically do something about that, put it into practice and realize what you are physically able to do. And that's something that other classes just don't focus on. Front sight, it's, our guns, tactical response is a unique thing. 
I guess what I was getting at is once I took that class, I was hooked. I was like, wow, I had no idea because I'd only had experience with Boy Scout training, like Red Cross, other type of school, like paramedic type of training, and then military training. It's all very regimented. It's all very much just memorize this and here's the curriculum and here's this test. Uh, this was a totally different experience. And then I went to Front Sight, which uh, in a lot of ways is just a complete carbon copy of Gun Sight. Uh, but again, for me, experiencing it back in 2006 and my second experience with uh, firearms training, uh, I don't think I could have had a better combo to get me started, other than probably tactical response followed by Masada U would have been better. But this was a good second. Anyway, that got me hooked. Before you continue, let, let me just throw in there that I kind of had the, the, those two classes reversed. And I only had the classroom part. I didn't have the shooting part of Masad Ayub. Is I had Masad Ayub's uh, classroom, which is two 10-hour days of just nothing but lecture. And and all of, and it makes you think about, gee, do I really want to carry a gun? I mean, if that thought doesn't cross your mind, then you're not paying attention to the class. I think that if that cost, if the instructor doesn't, if the instruction doesn't have the student think that, then it's not valid instruction. It's just platitudes, right? It's just like, you're so good, you're so good. You know, right. you're a good instructor, I think, makes the student realize you're you're you, and here's the law, <laughs> and here's what police do, and here's bad guys. There's no magic anything, and there's consequences to everything, and yeah. Okay, so again, I, I just get into the idea that the, the training was very interesting to me, so I started to see appreciate the differences in the instructors and the curriculums and um, just being able to take photographs and stuff of the different classes uh, was all very interesting because I took most of my classes or experienced most of these classes in southern Arizona. A lot of the students were consistent or you know, often it was the same students. That guy, Carl from InRange, was in most of these classes. Um, uh, Russell from uh, at the time Cav Arms and now um, up in Phoenix, uh, that was the name of them. Uh, they he was at pretty much all of these, so it was interesting to see, you know just see that the students themselves develop. Uh, you know after you take this many classes, and there's a difference between me going there and taking pictures and them going there and shooting the whole class. Uh, their proficiency and their experience and their uh, insight as students just to add it to all these classes. So it was a great, really neat thing and a uh, really neat period of years there, all pre-YouTube pre uh, and pre-video, really. A lot of this was all just pictures, and that was for twofold. One, there wasn't no in the internet streaming, so there physically, technically, wasn't really a way to put uh, videos up yet. Uh, but even if there was and, and I could afford it, um, most instructors didn't want to make any kind of a... Um, um, uh, try to make these commercials or anything. They didn't want to try to say, here's a quick technique that you can take home. They didn't want to have these be a substitute. I'm not trying to think of the right word. They didn't want people to consider these in, as a as a parallel for training. Like these are, you know, a still picture of a class isn't, nobody comes away from a still picture of a class and says, this guy taught me how to draw. But if I had showed a video of him instructing somebody on how to draw, somebody might walk away and say, so-and-so instructed me how to draw because I watched the video. And I think a lot of them had concern that, um, or had no concern of pictures. Once the video came into the picture in this kind of time frame, there was some concern. Let's not do video of a actual drill or anything because I don't want people to think this is an instructional video. And that's the word I was looking for. Uh, they didn't want that perception to get out there. They just wanted it to be more of like here's a here's a glimpse into what's going on and more importantly what's not going on uh people still have a perception that a tactical or a a, a class where you're going to go take like uh instruction on a firearm that you're doing some kind of ninja rolls or jumping out from behind rails of hey um they really think that there's more to it as based on probably people like yankee who've never been to a class who insist on you know telling everybody that jumping out from behind bales of hay and you know, dropping down from a ninja rope or something. All right, well, I guess I put everybody sleep talking about that site, but that was our training today. I figured uh, kind of talk about that site, and um, I don't know. We talked a lot about going to NRA show, going to Wanamaker, and talking about product reviews, but uh, aside from... I have from a question for you. 
I noticed you, you took a, a couple of uh, audits or classes uh, that uh, talked about low light uh, training. Is uh, and I don't know where the current thinking is in regards to on weapon light versus uh, off hand light, and the thinking between the the two of those philosophies. I don't know what you're asking. I don't know what uh, in regards to what, 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 what we'll say for concealed carry, having a weapons light on your firearm versus having a, a light that you have on your offhand using one or the other. Yeah. So number one, I haven't taken any kind of class or been any kind of instruction for years. So I don't know what currently is the trend or if there is one, but I would say it's more or it's less like fighting a fire, a fire, for the most part, unless somebody comes up with an ingenious new method, you start at the base of the fire, you extinguish the flame and the heat, and then you work your way out. You know, there's like an established way to put out a fire. Uh, with a with a gunfight or a lethal force incident, there's just way too many variables. So, the, so to suggest that there's a way to do anything, obviously there's not. That's the only thing you can say is there's not a way to do it all the time. And because of that, your instructors are going to come from all different angles. I think the easiest way is to explain it is a seal that drives around in a raft is going to hold your gun up because they don't want to shoot their raft out where an air assault drives around a helicopter is going to hold their guns down because they don't want to shoot up into the engines, right? So sometimes up is perfect and sometimes down is perfect. It just kind of depends on who you are and what you're doing. So as far as having a firearm, a light on a firearm, I think that's, I don't know, I, I don't think there is a way to do it and there's like you know the people that go for it and people that don't i just think there's a couple of different ways of going for it and depending if you're coming from the law enforcement side or the military side or the unfortunately i think another side of it is i'm trying to sell you this code optics planet because optics planet will send me more optics when i send more people to my code so there's people that are going to be out there that are just trying to get you to go to the next thing um no matter what it is, you know, for whatever other pursuits. So right, um, right. I personally like the both have a light on your gun and a, 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 a handheld and then a backup to your handheld. But uh, I'm the, overkill. The, the reason I, I, I asked that question um, was because there are some things in training that are indeed based off of science, like the, the OODA loop, as an example, just using one. And there are other things that are based off of more circumstances, your level of, of, of practice, what you've been trained on, and, and particulars that aren't easy to name. And, and that, I think that's a good example of one, is that some of the things we talked about are a matter of right and wrong because they're, because they're scientifically based. Other things are very much circumstantial. And experience-based. Um, yes. You know, like what you're comfortable with, what you've had experience with. They're saying in the gun channel side now, Al's saying no more than 140 lumens for CCW at home. First time you hit a mirror window while you lose your night vision, Clover's agreeing with them. I disagree. Um, 500 lumens plus uh, gives you a, a view of your entire backyard. Uh, you don't get to go switch lights out because you're going outside. Uh, bumps in the night. Sometimes they're in your living room. Sometimes they're in your backyard or front yard. And you want as much light as possible. I don't think you're going to... The same people that will suggest you're going to bump your light on and blind yourself are the same people that insist you don't need a light because you know your house so well you don't need a light. So if you know your house so well so you don't need a light, then why wouldn't you know your house so well you're not going to bump it into a mirror? So I don't agree you're going to know your house so well, per personally. I think that even in your own house, which you're 100% comfortable in, in time of stress, you're going to be unfamiliar with. You're not going to remember what room you're in, let alone where mirrors are. But you can always aim a light down. You don't have to shine a light in your eyes, right? So in that same respect, you don't have to shine it straight in front of you. You can bump a light. You can shine a light behind you for crying out loud. A lot of people carry what they call the patrolman's ready, where you have the gun kind of by your butt, ready to go, but not necessarily brandishing it because if it turns out to be the drunk neighbor or your in-law or your kid, you don't want to have a muzzle in their face. So now you got a 500 lumen light that's shining out behind your butt and the whole lights, the whole room's lit up. 
if you had a 140 lumen light lighting behind your butt, it might be lost in the drapes or the carpet. Yeah. But I think there's different theories on that for sure. But I'm I'm all about lumens because you don't get to pick where your situation happens, and it turns out to be outside. 500 lumens is a big improvement over 100. Yeah. Part of the beef I have with the people of, oh, you're going to lose your night vision. Well, with the exception of either during a powder, power outage or if the world's gone completely to shit and you have no electricity, how many times in your life is your home pitch black? I mean, we got 40-watt LED bulbs that draw less than a nightlight. I know from personal, pretty much every person I know at least has either a light on in the bathroom or like in the living room or a front room, they leave a lamp on. And you, yeah, what was I going to say? And, uh, so you're going to have lights around like little night lights and stuff. You're usually not like no power. Yeah. Like some low, low level ones, or if the power is out, I've got a couple or, a lot of times those just little chem lamps I just put out. Well, a lot of times those things you plug into the outlet, right? That are just little LEDs, kind of floor lighting, so you don't stumble at night, kind of thing. Uh, well, um, battery, and once the power goes out, they just kick in and have battery until they run out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what was it? I forget which magazine it was, but one of the gun rags was talking to, or one of their writers, whatever, who had been with like the New York police department or whatever, and was going back and forth with the different lights. He said, you know, if at all possible, if I have to go into a dark room, I'll at least try and reach around the corner and flip on the overhead light because, you know, your little, even your little 1200 lumen, uh, little light is only going to provide so much illumination plus if they're in the dark and you turn on the light they're going to be a little bit more blinded before you are but yeah i'm just rambling rambling i don't know if i'd call 1200 lumens a little light i mean i did have uh this past weekend uh, i went to to um pick up uh i do uh ride share driving uh mm -hmm. and on weekends and I went to pick up a customer at a bar and uh, I was I was uh, at, at the exit side of the parking lot waiting for my passenger and uh, a uh, I, I'm assuming it was a bouncer but I don't really know uh, started yelling at me from across the parking lot to to uh, I won't use his exact words but to move my car I was blocking something and um, and started walking towards me and flashing a light in my face like in my face off my face to like to mess with my vision. And it was not one of those thousand lumen lights, but even though it was, you know, maybe, you know, some dime store equivalent, which is maybe a hundred lumens, um, it still haven't had an effect on my vision because I was, it was already nighttime and I was used to driving at night. My eyes had already adjusted. Wouldn't there been a level of satisfaction that would have been hard to describe if you would have had a 500 Lumen flashlight to be able to respond with back at him, or a twelve hundred lumen light. Yes, but I am <laughs> like this wonderful one here, Dano, that you uh, not a weapons one on the internet know about and crash their poor website over. Uh, just a handheld, not a weapons light. Obviously, not yeah. or anything, but just to flash back. Yeah. And and I do carry one with me, but um, because of the language he was using, he was flashing at my face and walking towards me. I didn't want to escalate the situation unless I had no choice, and then I would have had no choice. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. But, hmm. Yeah, and and just again, shining it at the ground, and if you know somebody's like twink twink twinkle twinkle, and you're like blood. You talking to me? I I acknowledge, but I have a real flashlight over here. You know, like yeah. sometimes that can be handy. Um, yeah. all right. So I'm gonna say, for the sake of time, I'm gonna chop it. It's been an interesting discussion. So uh, one of the things we do on this show is get you started so that now you can take that discussion to the shop, the range, to the gun show, to another chat over on gun channels and uh, continue it. So um, 
good chat, but let's move on. So it's uh, Thursday, and I'm adding a new thing to the to the show. Uh, I'm selling stuff Thursday, or I'm selling stuff second segment. I don't know what I'm calling it yet. Anyway, I got this set of dies for sale. I've got it over on eBay. Uh, it's for 44 mag and 44 special, and it's got two of these things. I don't know if it normally has none. I don't remember anymore. Do they normally come with none of these? It, it usually comes um, with one, and you have to buy the other one, at least with the lead dies you do. Um, I, I know the RCBS and the Hornies don't come with their own uh, shell holders. But you don't need two shell holders. I just have two in there. You don't no, need I mean, it is more convenient to leave one in your press and one in your deprimer. Oh, is that why I have two? Okay, so anyway... It has the two, and I don't know. If, I didn't I don't think I denoted it, but they are in there, and I don't know what the hell that is. So anyway, I don't need them, so I'm selling them, and I'm going to be selling a bunch of shit. That's what I get to do for the next while. So I'm going to be putting stuff up on the 24-hour gun show. I'm going to be mentioning it on this show, mainly because it's my show, and I need to sell stuff imminently. And I want to encourage people to use the 24-hour gun show. It's not just there for me. It's there for anybody that wants to sell something on gun channels. And um, if you're interested in just seeing gun channels, get more people and more diverse people than considering or consider putting some stuff up here for sale. That's the kind of stuff that brings people around and, you know, people might be attracted to just that concept. So we'll play with it right now. It's sort of a crude thing. I'm, I just have it running on a channel of uh, Dano has put all kinds of time into a really elaborate system that I paid hundreds of dollars for really, that I have turned off right now uh, only because it's never really been successful on gun channel. So um, this is another attempt at the gun show part of the show of the project. And, uh, like I say, specifically this, uh, 44 Magnum set. So if anybody needs it, I think it's on eBay. I started it at like $24 or something. Uh, and, uh, anyway, and at it. that price it should sell. I mean, that that's a very good price. Mm -hmm. I'm so, um, now we can go on, and there's nothing really gun history today, but there is a couple of history things I guess we can talk about. So um, I like to bring this segment of the show up in case there's anything cool gun-related. We have it as a segment of the show, and just if there's anything interesting, you can, again, talk about it at the gun shop or, I don't know, at one of the other gun sh uh, shows or something. Um, not very many cool things today. It's uh, 11th on my calendar thing, so I guess... Uh, depending on what part of the country you live in, this is either today or tomorrow. Uh, but on the 11th in, here we go, 1858, Minnesota was admitted as the 32nd state, 1858, Minnesota. So that's why we had ink on today. Yeah, it's one hell of a quinky dink. It's not a coincidence. That's, that's how it worked out. That um, we made a cake. But it turned out it was a pineapple cake. We misunderstood. We're supposed to get a banana cake. Um, uh, that's speciest. Well, it's a requirement. Then uh, I made a sand. Uh, there's nothing else interesting. Yeah, yeah. On so we'll just give it to Minnesota. I guess you could say Salvador Dali was born today in 1904. Is that interesting? And everything got droopy. Yeah, everything started to melt. Irving Berlin was born in 1888. That's a long time ago. So there you go. Nothing all that interesting in history. Anybody ever has anything interesting in history, you can always email us at the show here, dailygunshow at gmail.com. And uh, we this is kind of a weird couple of weeks, months, whatever you want to call it. There's a big kind of window in my calendar of gun stuff. Uh, for whatever reason, I never find interesting things that happen in this kind of uh, April, whatever, portion of the year. All right, so that'll take us into the gun shop of the day. And today we're looking at Gat Guns. And again, coincidentally, he's in Illinois. And coincidentally, me and Dano have been there together. And yes, we have. Remembered, have you been to Gat's since it was downstairs? Uh, I think I was there once, but I'm not positive. Talked to a couple other people since who've been downstairs. So Gat's is a gun shop in Illinois. It's outside of Chicago. And... Um, I had to take the video down because I killed all my videos on YouTube. I'm going to be moving those over to Vimeo, and then they'll be back. Uh, this is Gun Shop Guide, where we keep track of all the gun shops we visited. And this is what it looked like, what, in November last year? October? It was last fall. September is when the, when the transmission It blew. was um, a couple hours blew. before things got squirrely. Yeah, literally hours before the transmission. We went here, then we went to eat breakfast, and then the transmission blew out in the 
parking lot of the transmission, or I mean, parking lot of the breakfast place. All right, so cool range though, been around uh, for a long time. They moved over here in 2012, I guess. No, that was 2012 was when they expanded. I forget when they moved over here. It was like the 90s or something, probably. Oh, 89 to the store in its current location. So in 1989, they moved to this big building. And then uh, in 2012 is probably where it was expanded with this different kind of brick right here, right? Um, I don't know why they made it look like a weird hotel or something or mansion or something from the front. Yeah, it, it does have an unusual look for a gun store. I mean, it doesn't look like a Western theme. I don't know what it looks like. No, it kind of looks like New Orleans, maybe. I mean, there's no Chicago yeah. And it certainly doesn't look like anything else in the area. And so, and that that stone not, is not cheap, so I don't know why they went with that goofy two tone look either. This was expensive as hell, probably. And then they're like, we can't afford to do that all the way down this whole other side. <laughs> so they decided to do because this is the expansion, I'm sure. Right. So anyhow, it's a weird shop, and it used to be what guns and tackle, and then somewhere else they say in here that the guy's name was. Gregory A. Trapino or something, but um, whatever. Anyway, it's a neat gun shop, and it's two floors, lots of uh, guns in it, just about every knife you could ever want. I'm not sure anymore. There's not that much tackle, really. Fishing right. Tackle. It's one of the things that makes it different is it's at least in in northern north, northern Illinois, it's one of the few uh, non big box stores that actually carries pretty much a full line of, 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 uh, of firearms. Uh, typically, as, a, as an example, CZs are not common for whatever reason at, at retailers, mom and pop stores in Northern Illinois, uh, but they had a full line of them there. And, and that's just you know one example of uh, something that was unusual that was there that you wouldn't typically find at any of my, my other mom and pop stores, uh, you know, 60, 70 miles away. So this is what it looks like on their fancy day. Looks like they called the factory day, and they had a bunch of tables in the middle there. I know this must be some room somewhere I haven't been in. This almost looks like a gun show's worth of just manufacturers setting up tables. So that's kind of cool. But this is what the shop looks like. Yeah, and one thing that people may not realize is they think may think, well, you can just go to Chicago to get it. Uh, just so people understand, there are literally no gun stores in the city of Chicago. People well, come out um, to the burbs or to what's called the collar counties for these types of firearms. From what I understand, it's easier to get a gun in Chicago on the streets than it is to get a book. So you just books downtown and trade them for guns, right, on the streets. Um, not sure about that. I never look for the illegal guns, but if you're looking for legal guns, that so, would be the truth. Comments? Comments? Move it along. All right, just uh, comments. I don't need no tramp stamp in my, my, my firearms. Got tickets. So that's the shop. Pretty cool shop. And it looks like a big part of the community and big uh, resource for the Illinois people there. And uh, uh, let's see. We I went through and uh, checked out all the emails that Jimmy didn't do because of his laziness. Uh, all the way back from like early December. So we hadn't done emails in a while. So I do appreciate all the people that have been sending in emails all that time. Uh, we went through and added quite a few gun shops, uh, quotes, topics for conversations uh, from those emails. And we'll encourage you to use the email dailygunshow at gmail.com going forward. Uh, now that Lazy Jimmy's out of the picture, we fired him officially. Uh, we'll actually make Dano start reading the emails again. Thank you. Hey. And uh, no, one interesting side note about Gad Guns is you can take the wife and the kids, and just down the road is Santa's Village. You can dump them off there, and then you can spend the next three hours over at Gad Guns. Now you're kidding, but that's serious. Like, there's a little amusement park. Probably costs money, but it's not Disneyland or nothing. You drop the kids off there, and like you say, the I don't know whoever you might be bringing all the way out to this gun shop, which isn't necessarily right in the city or anything. And uh, yeah, make a day of it. And then you get to ditch out for a few hours and check out the gun shop without somebody in the parking lot waiting for you. Neat. So that's our gun shop. Let's see. Do we have a gun movie? 
No, we don't. We have a podcast instead. So I've got a link here. The link is in the description as well. And this is not a link to the, uh, what is it called? iTunes as much as a link to like the website for iTunes. How can I get to the website? Um, I'm not sure what will happen when I drop it into YouTube. So I guess I'll just add the little number sign to the end. Do it both ways. So, whoops. If that works. Anyway, I think, did we talk about this one yesterday? I guess I might have talked about this one yesterday. But this is a podcast uh, from a shop in Arizona here. Called Gun Freedom Radio. Um, Dan and Cheryl. I think I did talk about it yesterday. So they're going to get a, a, yeah. a double dose. It, it looks fine. Like you can um, get the information and then view it in iTunes. Yeah. So, so I linked to this because if you don't use iTunes, this doesn't try to open it up on your computer or nothing. Um, but anyway, this gives you an idea. And then you can get to their website there. So I guess we talked about them yesterday. It all still applies. Good group of people doing good stuff. Uh, looks like they're having a Mother's Day girl, um, moms of shooting or something, a Mother's Day episode. It'll be a bunch of moms that are in the. And that is this Sunday for all you men and women out there that have not gotten a card or a flower or don't plan on visiting mom. Better call her this Sunday. Or you're going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. With a guilt trip. Bad trouble. Because that's what moms do best. All right. So with that, I think we've talked about technically a gun movie. Uh, We talked about a gun shop for a bit. Talked about the uh, website and some kind of training-related topics. And then, of course, the OODA loop. Remember, um, Dead Horse is our member of the day. So today's Thursday. Tomorrow will be Friday. We talked usually... situational awareness. We did. And 21-foot rope. So, um, and lights. And the opinions thereof. Uh, tomorrow will be Friday. We'll start out the show with early watch in the mornings, Tony. And then we have um, usually Knives or somebody will run a uh, lobby. Anybody's welcome to. Uh, in the evening, uh, we'll have the list of shows up that I don't yet have up. So I'll scroll up here. Check those out. We've got Friday. So we got Right of the People, Budget Guns and Gear will be first, then Jesmala with his fur, fun fish fur and firearms. Then uh, Ed, or Clover does his Friday show, and then Edge does his uh, Friday evening show. We'll probably be back with our show as well. I don't have guests on or hosts on Friday. Um, yes. Angelina doesn't seem like she's been jumping in on the road. Uh, Smeggy's AWOL on Fridays, so anybody wants to jump in and co-host. I'll be uh, ride-sharing tomorrow night, so I won't be here. Right. Dan does his thing, so uh, I'm always host list. So uh, somebody wants to jump in, let me know sometime along the way. Otherwise, I will be in for a uh, Friday show, and then you get into Saturday and the weekend. Um, Dano, anything coming up? Uh, Top of my head, no, although uh, you never know. Fine, anything... Got planned or coming up? Um, not that I'm aware of, really. Doesn't look like Dano ever jumped in to grab a thing, so I'll put it over here if you want. You want to be Bob? Oh, okay. Yes, I I can do that. You just let me know when it's time. I think we're. It up and we'll be uh, wrapping it up. So we'll say, uh, I don't know, does anybody have anything after this? I think, yeah, let me pull this up here quick. Yeah. See if anybody's going to be doing uh, uh, an Mr. open lobby. Yes, Mr. Knives currently has his late night lobby going on. So, oh, excellent. Looks yep. like Ellis is about to be going live as well. He just posted that. So, yeah, a couple options for you if you want to continue watching something live over on the gun channels. Otherwise, uh, thanks again to you guys for jumping in as co-hosts. Thanks to the 19 people that are watching us live out there. And there's my button even. There it is. Thanks to the uh, 12 people that gave us a thumbs out there. Um, And, yeah, I want to say please like, share, and subscribe. 
Uh, also, as um, G Webs mentioned, please uh, take a moment just to click on the thumbs up. Uh, it, it helps us every little bit. And on that, I will go to the quote of the day. Today is from Thomas Jefferson. It is, I would rather be exposed to inconveniencing attending too much liberty than those attending too small a degree of it. Via Thomas Jefferson. Guys and gals of gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com. Oodle loop. Oodle loop.